0: all right we've uh finished the podcast and the bottle of screwball and uh i want to introduce wally my good friend who's our tackle rep at kafaru and uh we just did a two-hour podcast where we finished this bottle and uh here's wally
1: okay well hey it's great to be here thank you for that um yeah you know excited for this opportunity and um we probably should have done- <laughs> We probably should have <laughs> nailed the intro in the beginning, but I feel like people, you know, they'll appreciate this. Yeah, I
0: fucked that up like a football bat. But yeah, here I, we
1: go. I can't. Uh, I can't feel <laughs> any of my fingertips right now, and I'm excited. I hope everyone enjoys the next two hours as much as we did.
0: I love Fig Newtons. Yeah,
1: but you know that sticker is dangerous and inconvenient. But I, lo- I love lamp. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Whatever.
0: laughs> All right, everybody, this is the second episode we've recorded uh, in the brand new podcast studio. Super excited about this. Uh, this podcast is actually sponsored by Screwball. Actually, I'm totally yes. kidding. Uh, they These fucking guys. So they had multiple people tag them about me because I've obviously sold a lot of Screwball for sure. it. And it's like, hey, you know, so they messaged me and they're like, hey, go to influencer.com or whatever. And I'm like... I probably sold you a million dollars of Screwball. I got to go to Influencer.com and sign up. So this is not brought to you by Screwball, but I do like it.
1: Well, maybe they'll get on board.
0: Hopefully, if you're listening. So Wally was in the military for 16 years Mm -hmm. and uh, got out recently. And then kind of tell everybody how we met.
1: Yep. So uh, admittedly, got out and uh, got into hunting like later in life, right? So also got into... Social media, just like last year, so I actually had no idea who you were <laughs> when <laughs> we met uh, at all. So I thought that was kind of funny, but we met through a mutual friend of ours introduced us, and uh, I guess at first, man, we just we just hung out and went, went on like, fishing. Yeah, we went on a fishing trip. That was a good time. Testing that new art frame. Yep. Um, and then you you brought up to me if I wanted to maybe come on board and start helping design some products on the tactical side, yeah. like the mill side that we're trying to start up and uh, asked me if I had any ideas on good products or like good ideas on how to make things that are already out there better. Um, I think that was on that fishing trip that we talked about that. Probably
0: where I burnt the giant. The we tree we stump. got the tree stump caught yeah. on fire. Yeah, that was cool. If We, we should have brought We forgot alcohol because I remember I was like, if I was tripping balls, this would be really cool. Yeah. The knots the, were like burning holes yep. and yeah.
1: Yeah, some missed opportunity. We didn't have any screwball.
0: Yeah, yeah, but or mushrooms or anything else. <laughs> goodness. No, he was um, trying to dig them up beside us. I'm like, dude, that's the wrong mushroom. I'm telling you.
1: <laughs> and I know all I did was get a bunch of diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Living, you learn. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's I guess that's how it started, and then um, came in and met with Bender, and we started uh, talking through some ideas and what would be the the number one thing to start with, and I think we landed on the scabbard. As a pretty obvious choice, and that's something that I had had a lot of a lot of experience with using uh, those in my past career, and had a lot of gripes and complaints on the stuff that we were using. Um, so we just started running with it. So we talked about that
0: a little bit, not the gripes and complaints, but then obviously you and and others as far as like um, the issues that you had um, with those offerings. And from what I remember, and, you know, I was pretty candid earlier, I stayed out of the scabbard thing. Like that was you and Bender, and occasionally I'd show up and be like, oh, it looks cool. Yeah, um pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that's about the extent of it. Um The, like the, what Bender had d- designed, I don't know, four years ago, three years ago, mm-hmm. was the, kind of the core of that is what you guys have now. Sure. And then you kind of did the finite details, Um like you, like, immediate, you were like, hey, we need, you know, laser-cut molly webbing, and then the shifting of the, the rifle. What were some yeah. of the issues that you had before?
1: Yeah, so Bender had a really pretty kick-ass design to kind of build off of from when you guys were talking about it before, which I thought was cool, the way that he had it set up to be modular with the packs. Um, he pretty much sat me down and, and just wanted to know what, what my major issues were with stuff that I'd used. I would use, and I would say that my, my two – biggest issues were one trying to get a rifle in and out of a scabbard right um they all snag especially with what we were doing you know you have a lot of attachments on your gun bipods lasers flashlights different optics and things like that so the the tunnel of the scabbard we always had an issue with either smoothly inserting the rifle into it we're trying to pull it out without it catching. You always need smooth insertion. God, I know that's right. I, <laughs> yeah. I learned that too late in life, yeah. but, yeah. yeah yep. A yeah. uh, <laughs> little spit goes a long way, you know what I mean? I um, <laughs> I think, uh, so the first thing we did, you know, that I, that I told him was I thought we should put in, um, like, a make it structured, right? So give it some rigidity on the tunnel to keep the fabric away from, you know, the kind of the snag points on a rifle. Uh, And he was able to integrate that into the idea that he already had, which was making a lip at the top to attach any of our packs to, which I thought was really cool. So that was the, I would say the first issue. And then the second major issue that that we always saw or that I specifically saw was um, the rifle, once it's in, there was never really a good way to keep it from, from from shifting, kind of slopping around with the stuff that we were given to use, right? So guys were, were always trying to sort of modify or customize um, the shit that they had with, you know, one inch or 550 or bungee or whatever that they could use to pin it to one side or the other. Because anytime that you start getting on uneven terrain or you got to climb over shit or under shit, you could feel it bouncing around <clears throat> on your back, which obviously is not ideal. So we spent quite a bit of time and went through a lot of different ideas on the opening of the scabbard, trying to make a system that made sense to lock that rifle down to one side, the other, or in the middle, if you could, depending on what guys were going to use it for. So there's a lot of options on how you can um, sort of secure that thing once it's in the bag.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I like, I'd, um, when Bender was asking me about this originally, I'm like one. One, I'm a bow hunter, and two, it was 20 years ago. I was in the army. Fair point. And both fair points. Yeah. Back then we had M60s, right? They were just transitioning into the 240s. Right. And
1: uh, rode horses in war. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shit was a lot
0: different back crazy then. Crazy back then. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I mean, they went. Not you I mean a one to a two? Like it wasn't that long before. <laughs> <laughs> right. So <laughs> I was, people were like what? And I'm like, ah, never mind. Um. <laughs> Yeah, when you watch Platoon and they were full auto, that wasn't that far before right. I got in. But yeah. you know, on the on the hunting side of things, like I was, you know, letting him know like the the biggest things that I was worried about because you don't have a ton of like I say until recently, the long range thing has really kicked in in the hunting side. Sure. Really recently, it hasn't been that long that I mean there was always long range shooters, but. The last five to ten years is really kicked in with big ballistic turrets and a lot of long range shooting. Sure. And so those giant ballistic turrets weren't a big deal twenty years ago. Certainly even ten years ago, there wasn't that many. Now no. everyone's got one. Yeah. So and then as far as bipods go, like for me, I I personally, like whether I'm guiding or whatever, I don't keep the bipod attached. I attach it as needed. I run like an Arca Swiss rail on the front of mine, so yeah. I can lock it into a tripod, or I can lock in a bipod to that. So you know, for me personally, which I'm not the best person to ask, I'm like, you know, hey, I don't keep the bipod on. It's it, not every shot needs a bipod. Sure. Um, yeah. And so you know how I mean, obviously, with way you guys set it up, it's very conducive to hunters and tactical wise uh, sure. the way it works. The other thing too, which is good, is this fits. I can't say every rifle, but it does do very well with multiple different rifles. What all have you tested on that thing?
1: So uh, we've tested it. We've tested it with a, with a variety of platforms. I'd say the one that we've tested it with the most is uh, my bolt gun that I use for hunting, which is just it's a three hundred eight uh, Sig Cross, right? So yeah. one of the reasons why I wanted to make that the main weapon to test it with is because. The Sig Cross is a little unique in the sense that it has a very similar receiver, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, like an AR style yeah. receiver where the handle and the, or the grip, I should say, comes down almost at like a 90 degree, right? Mm. So when you measure that, which is the lowest point of the rifle up to the highest point, which would be the top of the elevation turret, it's huge, right? It's very, very wide. So that would be an obvious, you know, sticking point. And we had to go through, I think, two revs before we even could get it to a point where that slid in and out easy. Um, the reason why I did that is because if that cross will slide in and out with no problems, <clears throat> almost any other bolt gun should, because they they should all have a smaller footprint. Because
0: I have a uh, my, I say I, I have a six five cross, and then I have a six five PRC from Viking Armament. Yep. Same thing, pistol grip. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't dive into the. Um, A lot of guys get super fucking geeked up on the long range shooting thing and me being a bow hunter, I just scoot a little closer or whatever. So it's not as, as big of a deal, but I do like that pistol grip a little bit like offhand. I'm a little bit better with that. So like standard rifles, your standard, whatever hunting rifle without the pistol grip option easily fit in that thing. The cool thing is, is. The way you guys set it up it doesn't rock around you all. know no matter what so.
1: no not at all and then we i also tested it with uh, like your basic ar-15 setup <clears throat> uh tested it with an ar-10 um you know full transparency you cannot put an ar-10 in this scabbard with you know a 25 round mag that's yeah. that's not gonna happen <laughs> right and if that's too much of an inconvenience for you then i don't know what kind of yeah. life you're living it should be pretty easy to load your, your gun after but uh Tested it with some lever action guns and then, like, a basic hunting rifle. But we knew that wasn't going to be a problem because it's so much bigger.
0: Shotguns as well um, aren't a problem. And I didn't really think of the shotgun thing at first. Chucker hunters, that's Mm -hmm. a real big one. Um, I guess you walk 75 miles a day chucker hunting. Why the fuck you would walk that far to shoot something that's equivalent to a two-ounce bird uh, breast? Yeah. But chucker hunting's a big deal. I
1: mean, it's not always about big breasts, (laughs) you know. Sometimes mm. it's just the quality. See, me, I like... Big ones, like, right, but right, right, right.
0: with chucker hunting, I, you're, like, running all over the side of the mountain. And then duck hunting. terrible. Yeah, no, it does, especially, like, again, you got to shoot 72 to have a meal, especially when you're fat like me. But the other thing was duck hunting. Guys had brought this up to me recently as far as expanding that, putting your decoys between the scabbard oh, sure. and the frame to, to carry decoys in and your shotgun. So it it checked some other boxes that were ancillary benefits that I didn't really think of at the time
1: for sure. I think like all all the, you know, waterfowl guys and dudes who are super into bird hunting, I think they could definitely find uh, the scabbard useful, especially because you can slap anything on the, on the outside of it, like any of the, any of the packs. Um, The, the goal that we were going for was if we made it simple, like at its core, like the design of it, it has a lot of ability to be customized, you know, it's got a lot of modularity. So I can't think of any reason why there's not type or style of hunting that you couldn't apply this to if you're trying to carry a rifle over an extended period of time.
0: Yeah. And so the way that, and we talked about this in the podcast with Bender that you can attach any of our framed bags to the back of it, you know, is a huge bonus. But you know, for me, I'm probably not a guy that's going to do that. I'm more of attaching belt pouches to the back, um, you know, for the way that I would like when I have a rifle, it's not like an extended backpack hunt or anything. Sure. Um, you know, for me, it's gonna be basically guiding, day hunting, or whatever, where the multiple, you can fit multiple uh, belt pouches on the back where I can run food. You know, I've got an algae on my belt, and then obviously headlamp, beanie, hat, all the normal shit that you can run down the back of that. But the the idea or, or, or the concept of this initially, and then what's kind of morphed into it can pretty much do anything. And there's also the shelf, which is great. Like, you can extend it away from the frame in the for back. For sure,
1: yeah. I, uh, so, in testing it, <clears throat> some of the earlier revs this season, I ran it the exact way you're talking about with two belt pouches on it, the big that big one that we have and the smaller one on top, uh, and that fit no problem. And I ran that for a couple of pronghorn hunts and then some muley hunts because you're kind of in and out of a vehicle and you just don't need a bunch of shit. And <clears throat> that thing works great like that because – it's super slick, it's super light, and then the other nice thing is like throwing it in and out of the truck or in and out of a side-by-side, because that that tunnel has that, you know, like more rigid structure to it, it almost acts as like it protects the firearm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So there was many occasions where I just chucked it in the bed of the truck or in the back of the side-by-side or right in between the two seats, and I didn't have to worry about it because uh, I didn't have to take it out or move it or anything like that because it protected it.
0: Yeah, and, and you can get a tripod on that system fairly easy because, like, me looking at it with with guiding, um, whether it's somebody I'm carrying their, their their weapon or I'm carrying my weapon for them to use or I'm carrying my weapon because it was, let's say, a bow hunter that had an animal wounded and we may need to finish it off with a rifle like for sure. our dad, yep. you know, specifically. That is not something I'm going in for four to five days for. We're just going in, get the animal down, and pack it out. The that shelf is a big that is handy where you can detach that scabbard and then put a quarter between or you know or debone meat bags or whatever between the the frame and the bag. So yeah, super handy for that.
1: For sure, I uh, I packed an elk out uh, in October uh, exactly like that. I think I was running the hellbender on it and packed all the meat in that sling and didn't have any issues with it on the uh, on the scabbard at all. So. I think the the versatility of it is going to speak for itself in that regard. I think it's going to be, like, sky's the limit. Like, whatever guys can come up with, they're going to have – they're going to come up with, you know, ways to use it that we didn't even think of. Yeah, that you know? that
0: always – 100%, that always
1: happens. Yeah, and then they're also going to – they're going to complain about shit that I haven't thought of either, so I'm, that <laughs> I'm, also I'm looking happens. forward to that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it is the internet. I, I, yeah. I found it's, uh, it's better to just – yeah. Fuck those guys. No, I'm just kidding. We always listen to our c- customers. Um, 100%, yeah. There's definitely there. There's d- certain things though, that you like inevitably somebody's going to hook a 7,500 cubic inch, cubic inch bag up to the back of it, mm-hmm. which you can do.
1: You can, we've done it.
0: Yep. I don't know that that would be a great idea. Cause t- you know, to me f- there's, if I'm going in with a giant 7,500 cubic inch bag, I'm just going to strap that gun to the side of my pack, right. hike in You know, you can put it in a scabbard, no problem. Mm -hmm. It's just there's certain things. If I'm going in seven miles, chances of me shooting something between mile zero and mile seven are not great, but they're there. But for the most part, we're going into an area to start hunting seven miles in. Sure. So I'll strap it to the side of my giant bag or whatever. This will work for shorter hunts, like, you know, when I say like shorter multiple day hunts, but the biggest thing or or whatever is like you can hunt, you know, coyote hunting, you know, all of that stuff. And it's ready to go and it's right up against your back. Now you can do a smaller bag, like a 22 mag or something like that. It does work extremely well for that, but the bigger bags, while people will do it, that wouldn't be my specific use for it.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't recommend that. Although if they want to do it, you know, fuck it, do it. Right. I think, um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I ran it with the 22 mag, on one of the muley hunts and that was a perfect fit because the 22 mag pretty much is the exact same width as the scabbard so it's a real clean setup uh i think it's got it has it has its place but it's not for every single style of hunting right so i also think and something we haven't really talked about is so like when i got out and and went into you know civilian life i started out as as a guide um and that was a pretty eye-opening experience being a guide i'd never done anything like that before and one thing that I noticed from the things that I experienced and then seeing the other guides and other outfitters and talking to dudes and and just learning that lifestyle is how often they have to carry a rifle, right? They're either carrying their own in case they need to get something done or they're carrying the clients because a client is slow, fat, lazy, or old, which happens a lot, right? So, for guys like that who don't need, especially if they're going out on horseback and shit like that, they don't need to carry a bunch of gear. They've got it in their saddlebags or they've got it at their base camp. They're just going out for that day in and out for that elk or for that sheep. It's a perfect, it's a perfect setup for that because they can just throw that on, throw a couple belt patches or like a little twenty-two mag. They've got everything they need and it rides very comfortably. And yeah. they can still pack out the meat, you know? So yep. I, I think it's got it's got a lot of uses. Um I also would not recommend running that with a seven-day pack. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah.
0: I mean, it just it it doesn't make sense. But if somebody wants to do it and they like it, then you know, rub some funk on it. Uh, sure. You know that that's all that matters. But
1: that's why God made chiropractors. <laughs> you know yes, what I mean? You yes, want To yeah. run like that. Yeah. Be my yeah. guest, Playboy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So uh, about like past the scabbard, um, you know, obviously uh, Wally has uh, military tactical background. What are some of the other packs that you're looking for to maybe come out with in the future? You know, there's some gaps in our line as far as on the tactical side. One of the things like we looked at doing a med bag before we brought you on, and one of the things I found with med bags is every med, med every medic is different. They want something sure. different. Do you think it's possible to have a med bag that is like realistic that that multiple people will want to use? Or do you think we're smarter to go in a different direction, an assault pack, a three-day assault pack? Like, what, what are your thoughts on some of that stuff?
1: Ooh, that's a loaded question. I think, uh, yeah, thank you for that. I think <laughs> the, the dedicated med bag, if you're talking about, you know, could we make a dedicated med bag for, you know, our consumers who are into that backcountry hunting and they just want to have something that's in their truck or at their base camp, something that uh, is streamlined and makes sense? I think we could put that together. Um, if you would ask me if I think we sh- can we make a med bag for, you know, operators for the military or the t- or the law enforcement side of the house who have designated, you know, medic personnel, I would say no, because I know a bunch of them and they're all very particular, right. right? Of how they set it up, where they put their gear and it makes sense for them. And when the shit hits the fan, it's perfect and it works. And that's what, that's what matters. But you're never going to make a med bag for that side of the house that everybody loves, right? I think that's a really tricky thing to try to do. And there's a couple of companies that are already crushing in that department. So I think that would be difficult. Um, as far as like a truck bag or camp bag, I, I definitely think that that's on the horizon. That's something that we can put together. And... And on that note, I've seen some of the bullshit that's been coming out lately in the industry. Yeah. You know, the first aid kits for your truck or whatever. And it's just, you might as well fill it with fucking dildos, right? Like, <laughs> if you open those <laughs> things over, like, what is this? You know? Yeah. So I think um, we could put one together that's much more comprehensive. It's actually got shit that you might need and use and not a bunch of fluff in it, right? Yeah. Um, as far as, like, assault bags and things like that that could come out in the lineup, we, we have a ton of ideas. Like, Bender and I have been, you know, I call him the mad scientist. We get in there, and I get him all fired up, and he starts fucking sketching all kinds of crazy shit. Like, he's a Drawing big, human, tiny, triumphant bastard. Yeah. yeah, Well, that's what I do. He draws bags, and I draw dicks, right? You got to stick to your strengths, right? Yeah. But, like, yeah, he's sketching shit like that up um, on the spot, you know, on the fly. But yeah, we have some, I think we've got some really good ideas in the works for, moving forward, especially with coming out with specific products to like the mill tack line. Um, And I think that we're going to try to maintain the theme that we, that we used with the scabbard, which is, you know, simple light. It makes sense and it's durable, right? That's like the most important thing in that, in that world is you just can't, it can't fail. Yeah. Cause there's consequences for for that.
0: Yeah. On the, on the med kit side or the med bag, like 10 years ago, I had had a few people reach out, you know, tier one guys or whatever, as far as designing one. And then I brought in a few different medics and, and quickly realized this is yeah. a, a fucking joke. Like that's not good. When I say that never, you can a hundred percent make a med bag, but sure. But all of them wanted something you know different and, and there was no way to make it modular enough to where it, it worked for each person. Right. It's, yeah. It was impossible. And then as time went on um, there was Three specific companies that were doing it much better. When I say that, we could copy the fuck out of them. I mean, we could make it just like theirs. But yeah, but then we'd be yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's where I was like, okay, we can't do like it's not going to happen. But there was other options out there as far as when I say options, there was other things that um, were much more needed. I guess where I was like, yeah, like yeah, fuck that med bag. Like we're not going to do that. And, and when I say that, like, I'm not saying they're not important, but when, when there's somebody doing something that is so good that you're literally just trying to kind of copy them, but a little bit different. It's just not, that's not what we do. And uh, you brought up one. I didn't even know about Matt Bach. What was it again?
1: Matt Bach, Matt Bach, Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if we we're, yeah, throwing, no, you're good. Yeah, they're, cr- they crush it. Right.
0: Yeah. And I mean, uh, shit, I'll send them business. I mean,
1: what it's Matt Bach? Yeah, M A T B O C K, Matt yeah. Bach.
0: and and when you were showing me there, I was like, oh yeah, we we don't want to fuck with these guys. They're good, no. good at what they do.
1: And it, it's ran by a dude who that's what he did, right? And yeah. And so that's his passion. That's his whole life. That's all of his. He's bringing all that experience to bear, and it shows, right? So like those dudes are a light year ahead of where we would be if we tried to get into that space. Yeah. And and quite honestly, you know, they've built some loyalty behind their their shit yeah and dudes like it and I that's why I'm like I don't think we should touch it you know like that they've got it and good for them because at the end of the day considering what those guys are using it for I would rather them just have the absolute best shit out there than specifically something that that we make right
0: yeah no no I'm in agreement and when you were talking about like the the different kits like whether it's a backcountry kit a truck kit a base camp kit that is basically just a kit, a bag with all the things that you need that make sense for those applications. Right. And then we make a container to hold it. When I started talking to to, to medics, especially like 18 Deltas, things like that, yeah. um, they started like listing all this off. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's a fucking Rubik's Cube like that. Yeah, yeah there's no way. And, and when I say no way, you can make one that works for... Ten percent of the guys, sure. but like, there's ninety percent left that want something. They don't like it. Yeah, different. Yeah, because yeah, everybody runs their shit a different way. Sure. So, so w- w- uh, getting off the subject of that, when you first got out, you moved into BFE, Wyoming. Um, Correct. How was that transition? Because you moved in the middle of fucking nowhere. You you didn't know anyone. Like, no. really? Right? Yeah. No,
1: I didn't know anybody. Um, difficult. Yeah. It, w- it was. Di- it, it was and still is on some level is difficult uh you know you you are so used to what your normal environment is and um then you get out and go into like the real world and meet you know normal people and all that shit, and you realize that you were living in a vacuum essentially right like there's just a lot of stuff that is um it like takes time to get used to you know and then i don't think i did myself any favors at the time you know, looking back now, uh leaving that that world and <clears throat> moving into a cabin halfway up a fucking mountain <laughs> in a t- town of nine hundred people. Yeah. <laughs> but uh you know you live and you learn, dude. Yeah. It's uh it's got some big pros, but it also has some big cons. Especially especially as a single dude, right? Like yeah not like I'm swimming in it up there. So
0: yeah, you gotta picture your right hand in your wallet. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's because I'm a lefty. And so the right <laughs> hand is when I really want to treat myself. You know what I mean? Like let's get let's get crazy tonight and figure each other out.
0: Yeah, yeah. No shit. <laughs> well yeah and I mean we have a big yeah you know, when I say big, we have um you know there's tons of different people that listen to this podcast, all walks of life or whatever.
1: And well they should love this one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um you know when when uh any whenever I do a podcast with I've done a few. I just did one with a Catholic priest actually. What uh, the fuck I, are I you talking about? Yeah, dude. he was pretty cool. Um and uh I did one before uh Jay Valaton, another kind of like self-help coach or whatever. The, you know, and the response back from those uh podcasts, I was surprised because it was something like I was just uncomfortable talking about in general, and they're both down with JC where I am not as right. much. Right. Um which they were super cool, you know, talking about everything like you, when, when, when certain people have certain ideas, which you probably had of like, I'm going to move into Wyoming, live a normal life, go do what I want to do, you know, guide, whatever. And uh, sure. then you, you went and did that. And then you're like, man, there's a lot of other shit I didn't really think about. And, uh, yeah, like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like a
1: lot, dude.
0: <laughs> At least yeah. you had a uh, home improvement to take up time. I did. I did.
1: That's about all I had. Yeah,
0: yeah, because what I remember when we, when we went in, you showing me your heated floor. I could tell there was a lot of like uh, happiness and like, look what I accomplished. But there was also a lot of demons when you put in your heated heated floor, not your hardwood floor, your heated
1: floor. For sure. If I had to do it again, I'd probably kill myself. Yeah. If I'm <laughs> just being honest, uh, I think DIY projects are for poor people like myself <laughs> or idiots. Right? I don't think. I don't think there's any other person that should be doing a DIY project, to be honest. Yeah. But when you live, you know, in the middle of nowhere, it does it does help pass the time.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, uh, you know, I had done a lot of construction, and so yep. my wife is, is wanting to do different construction projects where I'm like... Fuck that. Yeah, no, I've done that, and, uh, you know, sucks. so she wants to do, what's obviously, good friends with wife, she's wanting to do a garden now, and you have to do, like, raised beds and everything else, and... Mm. And, uh you know so like I've been kind of like dragging my feet hopefully she doesn't listen to this because Amy wanted to be a photographer for a while she's definitely going to see this one and uh I was like definitely. okay so we got her a camera didn't pan out okay but she did want to shoot a bow we got her a bow she is shooting the bow but what I don't want to do is spend lots of Saturdays and Sundays building raised garden beds to find out she doesn't like gardening because Yeah, yeah, so I'm like, okay, because she was like, hey, Wally said, you know, that heated floor whatever, and I'm like, yeah.
1: uh, You're welcome.
0: You know, I really don't want to be in that crawl space putting in a heated fucking floor, but uh, she was like, he said he'd help, and then I'm thinking, yeah, but I really don't want to ask him for help because I know how much it sucked, and so every now and then I think, you know what we should do is have you do it, and then you can realize what construction's about, because I don't know anybody listening in. That has ever done a home improvement project with their wife, but there's nothing worse than what they, they don't know what they're doing. And then as you're doing it, they're behind you telling you you're doing it wrong. For sure. It causes divorces. Right. I was just
1: about to say that. And I can't, I, you know, I can't speak to that. I've never been married, but I have seen it and it looks (laughs) super fun. Uh, I do have a creative idea though that might help you with the gardening dilemma. Yeah. Have her go outside. Well, first of all, she, she knows that we live in Wyoming, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's like like super conducive for growing shit. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Um, Have her go outside every fucking day and bend over and pick up rocks and shit (laughs) for about two hours. Rake up tumbleweed. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then after a couple weeks of that, if she loves it, be like, (laughs) that... Then you will, I'll build you a garden, right? Because that's what gardening is like. Yeah, yeah. Make sure she's out there in the cold, too. Yeah, no shit, pretty much. Oh, what the is fuck is she going to grow? A tomato? Like, I, I you know how long it takes to get a I'm, decent tomato? I'm
0: not 100%, uh, you know, certain, but I know, like, we talked about getting chickens. Um, and then she wanted the, the, like, little pack goat things because the dogs could watch them and run around. And uh, I'm like, well, they're not that expensive. And then I kind of want to see if Odin eats them or protects them. Right. So it's a win win. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Actually, she just texted me uh, when we were at the house and loaded up. Uh, you know, how the, the dogs were growling at each other. They're bleeding now. They fucked each other up in that pen. So, nice. yeah. So maybe it'd give the dogs something to do where they wouldn't beat the shit out of each other. Cause she was like, hey, the dogs are all bloody. I don't know what happened while I was gone, but I was like, well, sibling rivalry. Yeah. Something was going on there. But, uh, but yeah. So you've, how long have you, you've been in Wyoming? Three years now? Two. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I uh, actually came out here when I was still active duty. I dropped a shitload of leave after I came back from uh, a deployment and just to try it out, you know, I yeah. fucking grew up in Florida, right? Yeah. So most of my entire family thinks I'm insane for moving out here. But I figured I should probably dip my toes in a little, see if I had any fucking clue how to guide or if it was going to be something I'd actually like, and then uh, see what this area would be like. So. I came out here for almost two months uh, during the hunting season a couple of years ago, kind of apprenticed under under an outfitter, and fell in love with it. That's how I found this area, and then um, officially moved out of here about two years ago, and, and been guiding and, and then working with you guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we, we, you know, during the time you and I met, obviously, we I did a, uh, why well, I say I, we did like a um, kind of a shooting land nav um stalking course, which you helped out in. And mm-hmm. then from that time, um you had kind of caught on to the fact there's like a need for good information, whether it be land nav, shooting or whatever else. And so um you've kind of taken off from that as well. Like we're doing sure. a land nav course in South Dakota. Uh we'll have it up on the website in January, but that'll be a full land nav course um where I say a course, you'll have points that you need to find, things like that, mm-hmm. and then shooting courses. So talk about like your your vision of that because I know like what I've been doing, you know, it's mostly archery, stalking, land nav related. But we're you know, we're obviously going to take that to a different level.
1: Talk a little bit about that. Definitely. Are we are we dropping the bomb right now the for the collective?
0: Yeah, but what we're gonna do is I'm gonna go P. So pause, but that's a good stopping point. Okay, nice. Okay, before I take another drink, um, we are going to hop back on. I had to take a pee break. I'm sure everybody can believe that. Normally, I piss in a bottle, but we're on film, so uh, that's out. Times are changing. Yeah, I'm a shower, not a grower. No, grower, not a shower. But but I was just getting ready to hand it over to Wally to talk about some of the different classes we're going to be offering, one coming up in June, as well as others that will be coming up soon. So go ahead, Mr.
1: Wallace. Okay, Uh, so we're calling we're going to call it the Kafaro collective um, basically where this idea was born from was we you know we talked i think at length in your garage after we put that course on and it was very surprising to me really since i've gotten out it's been very surprising to me to see how many dudes you know and chicks out there who are hunters who have very little um like outdoorsmen skill sets, you know, like woodsmen, outdoorsmen, survivalist skill sets. So I'm by no means an expert. I would say that you're the much bigger expert sitting at this table right now by far. But what was interesting to me, like when I started guiding was I, I would consider those dudes more of tourists than hunters, right? Like they come out, you do everything for them except pull the trigger. If that's what you're into, I'm not knocking you. I mean, you're kind of a pussy, but I'm not knocking you, right? <laughs> I think, um, I think you, when you hunt like that, you, or really, you're just killing. When you're hunting like that, you're you're kind of missing the essence of like what what the whole point of it is, right? I'm not gonna get philosophical, but like if you're out in the woods, you're out there. You should be trying to test yourself, push yourself, uh, find what your limits are figure out where your weaknesses are, and then attack those weaknesses and and become better, become more proficient, more well-rounded. This is my big soapbox pitch, right? So I think um, one thing that that is really lacking across the board these days are those skill sets. And I saw it as a guide. Uh, you see it all the time. This is nothing new to you. It's super new to me. Uh, but when I came to help at that camp, it was obvious then too, right? Because These weren't like those touristy type guys who were coming out and spending, you know, 10, 20 grand on a hunt and they want to be weighted on hand and foot. These were like younger dudes, dudes who are into hunting and into being better. That's why they came to your camp. And even they were fairly, um, you know, incompetent in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Right. So most of the guys had no idea how you how to use a compass, like how to actually even shoot a bearing, a simple bearing with a compass. And, um, they had very little understanding of like how to walk and how to move, roll their feet when they're stalking and trying to be quiet when they get into sort of that that red zone that last little bit on the animal. You know, there was a lot of things that that I saw during your camp when I was helping out that that really took me by surprise. So when we talked about it and you brought up the idea of of starting to you know put on camps and make them specific to skill sets, initially I was kind of I don't know what the right word would be, I guess, hesitant about that. It just seems kind of weird to me. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I think people will really enjoy it. Right. So, um, so basically that's where the collective came from. The idea behind it. I do need
0: to say that I did not know we were going to call it that until just now. So just want to let everybody know that's how much I'm involved. Yeah. We're taking, (laughs) we're
1: taking the bull by the horns here. (laughs) Uh, Aaron's lost all control. of In case you're curious, um, (laughs) so the where that's where it came from what we're what we're trying to do with it is basically set ourselves apart from what i would call all the white noise in the industry right so there's no shortage of you know two-day three-day camps where they're like hey we're going to teach you land now we're going to teach you medical we're going to teach you shooting combat shooting whatever Um, they have you come out they Tee you up on some basic shit. They hold your hand pretty much the whole way through it, and then there's not enough repetition to have any sort of retention. They give you a layup at the end, so you knock it out of the park. They pat you on the butt, tell you you're fucking awesome. You feel good about yourself. You leave, and then you can't remember anything that you just did a year from now, right? Like there's no there's no actual benefit to those, in my opinion, and that's what at least from the outside looking in. I see kind of across the industry right now, so that's something that you know you and I talked about. Uh, that's something that I really don't want to be involved in. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. So our camps are going to be <clears throat> set up quite a bit differently. Uh, they're going to be harder. Uh, it's not a kick in the dick. That's not what the goal is. It's not to. Show you how tough the yeah, when, instructors are. Yeah, you know when I mean? he
0: says harder, he doesn't mean like flipping tires um, or kettlebell swings or anything like that. Yeah, we're uh, not doing any harder of that shit. Yeah, no, no. And, and that's something I've always not been against. If you want to go get your ass kicked, there's plenty of places to do that physically. But sure. where the, some of the things that Wally and I have discussed and what he saw – you know, firsthand where it's going to be harder is is definitely going to be more applied. So whether it be on the land nav side of things, crawl, walk, run, you know, we're going to be, you know, in a classroom, learn that portion of it, go out, uh, train association, then you're going to go to an actual course where you're going to learn to plot an eight or 10 digit grid. And then, uh, you know, find one of those uh, points. And then you'll have another 10 digit grid, plot the next one, go to the next one. Uh, When it comes to stocking, you know, when you go to certain courses like the ones you were talking about, nothing wrong with those courses. There's a space and place for everything. But when you go to a course to where you learn to technically kill animals, one of the things that, that is extremely overlooked is the actual killing of the animal and what takes place inside 150 yards to kill it and also what that animal's going to do from 1,000 yards out and then closing all of those together. Um, but, you know, when I say that, I don't know of any courses like that. Um, you know, so when we do, like when we did a glassing camp, I've never seen a course where, you know, you're have 3d targets is as, as simple as it sounds. Glassing is important. My vision's not that good. So like, I really have to focus on glassing cause I'm certainly not going to see them with my standard vision of how to grid, how to walk someone into a target. And, and when I say that, you know, when you have a buddy beside you, he's like, Hey, it's by those two trees, go to the right a little bit by that rock. Yeah, you're going to be there all day long. Yeah, <laughs> how to actually walk someone into a target, how yeah. to plot a route, route planning, how to plot a uh, a stock, how how to route plan into an area you're going to where there's no trail, all of the things that I feel are extremely overlooked. And I'm an older generation, and since we didn't have rangefinders when I was a kid, sure. And so I was just with with Rogan, um, down in in, uh, in 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 Austin, and he was funny. We met him at the comedy show, and he was. We were talking at the end of it, and he was like. I don't understand. You have this high tech piece of equipment. Why wouldn't you use it? And I'm like, well, yeah, I get it, dude. But the motherfucker isn't always an option. No, like not just the batteries will die, but think of how many animals I can think of, well over a hundred, that I've been able to kill. When I say I, like that I've been able to kill because I learned without a rangefinder, sure. unknown yardage back then. At it, it a three, when you went to tournaments using a rangefinder back then was kissing your cousin. There was no, yeah, do that, yeah sure. there was no known pro, right? There was mm-hmm. no known courses. It was all unknown yardage. And so that has saved me multiple times for an animal to run out and me be able to judge, right? That's been sure. a huge part. Um, You know, when you talk about like route planning and when I say route planning, I'm talking just get from point A to point B, 10 miles away, how to read terrain. And I don't mean, Using Spartan Forge on X, whatever Google Earth,
1: yeah. which are all great. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're no, Great.
0: I mean, I, I'm a huge advocate of. I partnered up with Spartan Forge. You want to use those, but you want to be able to read a map. Yeah. You know, and and be able to actually use, like, um, if you want to get to a place quickly, you don't want to be looking at your phone all the time when you're walking to it. You want to have the skill set or the field craft to get there faster all of the things i'm rambling on about is what we'll be teaching in these courses whether that be land navigation or when you talk about whether archery skills shooting when you're when you go to shoot with a rifle or a bow the stress test is usually a physical portion like what, sure. like in the courses now they're going to make you do some burpees and shit or run up a hill in my opinion of that right. that is not the stressful portion of it when you're on a stock and in the red zone, your mind's going a million miles an hour, mm-hmm. and you need to choose when you can take that shot. The skill set you need to either get closer, shoot farther away, shooting ability, being able to go to full draw, taking a step out, making a faster shot—all of those things with a bow or a gun. Sure. And when you're when when you're with people guiding, and let's say you range an animal and it's at 32 yards, you pop over the hill. The guy goes to full draw. It runs out to 40. Runs out to 60. He's going to have to let down, rearrange. If he's shooting a single pin, I fucking hope you're not because I hate those things. You're going to have to dial your sight again. Like yeah. all of the things that you need to think about to, to become a better hunter, we're going to teach you those things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the overarching theme is just that it's, we're just identifying, I think, generic pitfalls, right? In, in most, you know, average day-to-day hunters who have, you know, they've got a real life, a real job. They got to fucking put food on the table. They like to go hunt when they have the time. They don't get to do, they don't have the luxury like you have or, or, yep. or that I'm, I'm having now. So they they want to be better. They just don't have the ability to put themselves in a situation to do that, right? Like there's not something out there for that. So the the overarching theme for these camps is we're going to identify a specific skill set that we see as a, general weakness, right? So first one that we're going to do in June is the land nav, which I think is absolutely critical.
0: Land nav and stalking.
1: Yep. The land nav and stalking, right? So the first like two thirds of it is going to be the land nav portion followed up by the stalking part that you're going to put on at the end. And, and the reason why it's going to be, you know, that's going to be an eight day camp, eight or nine day camp, and it's going to be that long because five days of land nav is just scratching the surface, right? But if you do it for five days, the way that we're going to structure that curriculum, I mean, we're going to do it. The first day is going to be like, hey, this is a map, right? These are these are topo lines. Yeah. Those, the, all that's, all those spaghetti lines, they mean yeah. something. Yeah. Here's Which, the contour
0: interval. Right, Yeah, like yes. the contour
1: <laughs> interval. The shit at the bottom, all these numbers and words and shit, yeah. this means something. <laughs> yep. This is what it means. This is how to read it. Like Now that you know that, now you know if this is the right fucking map, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you might have a map that won't work. So we're kinda of taking it from scratch, but it's a very it's gonna when I say it's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be challenging. I'm not gonna have you do fucking burpees, it's gonna be challenging in the sense of the curriculum is gonna drastically get more difficult over the course of those five days. A lot of people think about five days of land nav as, as an eternity or like overkill. But I guarantee you when these guys come through the course, by the fifth day they're gonna be like, Man, I wish it was eight, right? Because yep. it when you really learn it. It's a lot to cover, so because you
0: have to keep working on it when you go home. You do. And and that's what you were leading up to. Is yeah. you will know enough to perfect it after you go
1: home. You have to do your own sustainment training, right? <laughs> so, like every time you go out to hunt, every time you go out to scout, you know horn hunt, put in a food plot or a tree stand, do whatever you're going to do. That's an opportunity to continually try to hone that that skill and knock the rust off and, and maintain it because those things atrophy right? They've atrophied for me and I did it for a living,
0: you know, just like math. It's perishable. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so we're going to look at those individual skill sets. We're trying to identify the most efficient and effective way to teach a skill set and do it in a, in a manner in which will be some level, you know, retainable. Once you leave, we don't, we're not interested in you coming out, us swiping your fucking credit card and telling you you did a great job giving you a piece of paper and kicking you out the door right like the goal here is the, the way that we want to set ourselves apart from all the white no, white noise in the industry is we want you to come and have an experience that you'll look back on one as a very unique experience where you're meeting a lot of fucking great people like-minded people but two at the end of it you feel like you truly did improve upon your own personal capabilities
0: yeah, and I'll bring up a, a good example, and this is uh, I'll bring up Joel Turner. Joel Turner is kind of a brain doctor, uh, target panic guy. That is important to learn to master target panic, sure. and he does a course with Dan Staten where they like make you do burpees and shit, and and then uh, he does stress tests. I don't know exactly what that part is important, but the part that they leave out, which I feel is is more important, and, and Dan's you're 21, you guided with us for a long time. How many times when somebody comes over the hill they just straight shit the bed, right or or whatever? 90% of the time. That is so, all the fucking time. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so what and I'm not taking what Joel teaches is is important. But that portion is the actual shot. Yep. Right? The what up up until you never, the point,
1: you never get to go make that mistake if you fucking get lost yeah. in the twelve hundred yards between you and that animal. And yeah,
0: and so all of the parts and pieces, and and again, like a, that, I'm 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 an advocate of Joel. He 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 teaches great things, and I think fitness is important. I I, more, I, yeah. I I'm not going to have guys when I say I or you or anyone else flip over tires and make a shot. What I am going to do is be right behind you, or you will, or Dan or whoever, walk them in and say, "Hey, dude." You're making too much noise. All right, let's take a step back. Let's talk about this. Okay, all right, when you peek over the edge here, you're going to have a 64-yard shot. Can you make that shot? I'm not that good of a shot. I can't make that shot. Okay, then you need to look at doing this, this, or this. Exactly. Why are you going to do that? Which way are you going to go? You're, now you're going to have a 34-yard shot. When you make that 34-yard shot, or, you know, whatever, you may have to draw back, take a step out, take a shot things that are applicable to to hunting. Sure. And again, there's other courses that teach other things, but I am not ever, I can promise you, going to have you flip over tires and make a shot because I have shot more shit than just about anybody I know, and it never had to do for me with fitness, the shot. No, it it's had all to do, internal. It, yeah, your your mind, you're your shitting your, your pants. And again, just getting to the fucking animal, and Bill Pellegrino, did, we did a podcast with him. He's kind of, a in my mind anyway, a legend in the community. He had said, you know, people forget hitting the fucking animal is the most important part. Like Mm -hmm. if you get to it and you can't hit it, right, you got to be able to hit it. Well, okay, there's a ton of courses that teach you how to hit it. There's not that many courses that teach you how to get to it. And so we are going to teach you how to get to it. We're also going to talk about shooting and things like that. But like when you talk about stress shooting, it's not to me your heart rate up physical stress. It's anxiety. It's internal. It's internal. It's internal. All right, yeah. the animal. You just took a shot. You missed at 120. The animal. When I say that with a rifle, the animal ran out to 240. Target acquisition, getting on the animal. Do you stay? You know, may have been you may have been offhand the first shot. Sure. Do you drop down to a knee? Do you go to the prone? I'm talking about shit while well, he's going to cover because I'm not a gun guy. But you get the point. You'll go over those things when we go to that that type of stress, and that stress will definitely be a different stress than physical because very rarely have I ran up a hill and took a shot. And honestly, my shooting ability is what carried me through that because I was able to keep my mind together. And so right. while my heart rate was up, I'd shot a bunch, but really what, it, you know, what it was or whatever, as far as that portion of it, it, it is different. And so you're also, we're also going to cover, and, and I don't want to dive into your aspect of it, but, but ball bearing stuff like mounting a scope, like, yeah. like talk about that stuff.
1: Yeah. So, uh um- you know, first one's gonna be land nav. We're looking at the the second course, probably also in June, being you know marksmanship shooting. I say long range. I think it'll be fairly long range for most people. They'll find it long range. We'll probably, depending on the proficiency level of the students, like take them out to you know five six hundred yards, which is, which is pretty. Is a fucking poke. That's a fucking poke, especially yeah. when you're trying to stop a heart. Um, and we're gonna start that from scratch, right? So just like you were talking about, like ball bearing, soup the nuts. It's going to be we're going to have everybody come in, you know, disassemble their rifles and we're going to have them mount and Z and true their scope. You know, plumb I do the whole nine, like go through those those steps, because those are like core skills in being a hunter who hunts with a rifle, because inevitably you're either going to get a new rifle or something's going to break. You're going to need to do that. You don't want to fucking have to call your buddy. like, Hey, man, can you help me fix this? I don't know how to fucking mount my scope. right i'm out here killing these badass animals but i can't mount my fucking scope so we're going to start from the basics and try to work our way up to guys being proficient under stress at shooting out to what i think most people would consider longer distances right because the point you brought up about the internal stress and how it doesn't need to be physical to induce those problems i mean you and myself and what mike or one other dude we were going round robin on running those dudes through that final exercise right yeah at the glassing camp and we were having them what was it about a thousand yards yeah
0: thousand yard stock or a thousand yard target target that was a thousand yards to the target
1: right so they had to glass it find it once they found it they had to make a plan and execute that plan and it was timed and we were grading them on proficiency and all that shit. how many dudes did you see get into that red zone portion of it? Totally calm, not winded, not gassed, nothing like that. And once the anxiety and the pressure hit of the fact that they knew they were close to that animal, which they knew was a fucking three D target, right? There was no <laughs> actual stress involved, and they get up there and they knock an arrow, and they're shaking like a eating a hot dog, right? Like yeah. their fucking hands are like this, you know, seventy percent. I mean? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. it was. Yeah it was wild to see that and they were in a fake hunting environment right so what do you think i mean i know from guiding and you know from your whole fucking life that shit in real life it's crippling yeah it's a crippling environment to be in and um i guided a, a guy last year on an elk hunt the guy's been hunting for 20 years he's an older gentleman uh he's actually like a renowned professor at stanford and uh he got out there and i found out i was going to be his guide and the biggest thing that he wanted to talk about was he said that he had lost all confidence in his ability to shoot because he had just been on a hunt where he got super he got a lot of target panic he got super anxious and uh he missed the animal and it just like rocked his confidence right so we spent an hour the night before going over basics just basic shit breathing setup going through your steps, you know, bringing all that physiological response to stress down. And we went out, and and we were successful, and he killed a nice bull. That's just one example. You know, like this year, I took another guy out, uh, guided him on a pronghorn hunt. It was a doe hunt. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. It was a meat hunt. This dude's a good – he's a good shot. He's never missed an animal. The guy's been hunting for a while, you know, and he's, like, super confident. He didn't have any stress about it. He's never even – had a reason to doubt himself. I got him on a pronghorn that came up 60 yards away from him. I had him on a fucking tripod. I told him to sit down before it popped up this ravine. He wasn't listening to me and he was still on his knees. So he had to bend over on his knees, try to get behind the scope with a fucking pronghorn broadside dead still at 60 yards. That is, that is worse than a chip shot, right? He like doesn't get, it's a gimme. Yeah. It's a dead animal. And he missed it by two feet. Yeah. Yeah. Because he freaked out because it was, it just happened all of a sudden. That thing popped out of the ravine up on the flats and it was looking right at him, even though it was broadside. He fucking panicked and he shot and he shot right under its neck and hit the dirt two feet in front of it. Yeah. Those are normal things, man. Like, you know, if you've never been repeatedly uh, exposed to high stress, challenging environments when you're either, you know, drawing a bow or pulling a trigger, you're going to make those mistakes. If you don't know how to shoot in awkward positions, how are you, you don't, you never rise to the occasion, right? You always fall back to your highest level of training.
0: And, 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 you know, now with mostly my wife, Amy, right? Like when we first went out offhand shooting, which was, is still a crisis, but (laughs) she's, she's getting better. But like I've explained to her like where my parameters are. So 200 and in, I can offhand. And so I'll explain to her like, okay, I got a target at 200 yards offhand. I'm going to run up. I've got a target at 280. I'm going to drop into the prone or take a knee. You know, a knee is better than offhand, but it's still not great. So I'll explain to her, I'm going to take a knee. This is where I'm going to put my elbows, where I'm going to take a shot. Okay. It's at 320. I'm going to flip up the bipod. I'm going to drop into the prone. Okay. Shit. All right. I wounded it. I'm going to run up. Now I'm going to take a knee again, put another round in it. And explaining to her, like, okay, look, it is is it's second I've done it for so long. It's, it's same with archery, it's second nature. You just to, do it. To where with her, like we bought her a shotgun the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh she was like, mm, like I'm like, hey, this That's we're a twelve not, gauge shotgun. Yeah, I was you like, don't like, have we're to not, line that up that much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> like, Hey, this is not pinpoint accuracy. Fucking throw some rounds down range, honey. She's like, What do you mean? I'm like, blast that bitch off, just go, just get yeah. used to it. And she was ginching a little. I'm like, Hey, it's a shotgun. Like that's the beauty of it. Now, a lot of people think a shotgun has a pattern that takes up an entire hallway. I'm like at ten yards. I'm like, look, explaining to her the pattern and different shells and whatever. And I was like, look, the number one thing with with which we're going to teach is well, I'm not, you are. Is uh, like you know home security. I'm like the click clack of that fucking gun is your number one defense. Like sure. You know, so I, once we got home, I was the like, factor. yeah, we're laying yeah, in yeah. bed and, uh, like earlier in the day and I'm like, Hey, this is off the subject. I'm like, okay. An intruder's in the house. You think grab the gun. She's like, what? And I'm like, now grab it. Yeah. Grab it. Ready. And I'm like, all right, pump one in. Well, you have to hit for the first round. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it's not fucking huh. working. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. And it's no different with hunting. Nope. Blunt force trauma and repetition are the only two ways, in my opinion, to teach someone. Sure. So meaning I smack you in the back of the fucking head when you fuck up or you do it over and over and over. I'm not going to hit my wife. So I'm like, OK, you learn. Right?
1: I think in at least 47 out of the 50 states. <laughs> yeah,
0: no shit. Yeah, yeah. You can't,
1: It's a, it's a no, no. <laughs>
0: Well, that's what I was like, hey, look, you just have to be ready. You have to practice. You have to understand. It's no different with hunting no. where, like, you and know, I say that blunt force trauma, getting hit in the head, or repetition is you have to do it over and over and over. Anyone can flip a tire over and not fuck that up. Even if you suck at it, you can flip a tire. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do a push-up and not fuck that. Well, you might be a bitch and doing it on your knees, but you can improve. Right. What you cannot improve on is sneaking up over a hill, being quiet, Uh, You know what I mean? Getting a target in front of you, choosing to range or not range, making the shot, that has to be done over and over and over. When I say that, meaning with proficiency. You can get better at flipping a tire. There's no life on the line flipping a tire. There is a life on the line, meaning you, again, like you may, when you peek up over a hill, is it 20 or 30 yards? If you practice judging yardage enough, you are automatically ahead of the game of the guy that's ranged it. You know what, I, you, know what I, sure. you know what I'm saying, and all of that is what we're wanting to teach because again, these are deficiencies we've seen, whether that's bow or gun. And I've learned a ton from Amy because I take shit for granted. Sure. The first time I went out with her, I was like, "It's one ten, shoot it offhand, offhand." What's Not that mean? I'm, yeah, no. <laughs> It, no like shot eight it. in front eight feet in front of it or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Hmm. So now we have her dry fire a ton. Sure. You know, and, and, and those are all the things that people don't think about is, is, is very basic shit that is not basic to some people. It's not basic to you and I, but we are going to work on that all the way from ground level, all the way up. And we're going to offer courses for that to help people.
1: Yeah. We're, we're just in it. We're going to master the basics, right? And if you look at some of the most elite units in the world, no matter what their mission set is, the thing that made them elite is mastering the basics. Yeah. Because when shit gets weird, and it doesn't matter what level of weird that is, when it gets weird for you, whatever that looks like, the only thing you'll have is whatever your proficiency level is of the basics that you train to. Right. Yeah. So you
0: said you always default. Um, what was that you said a minute you, ago?
1: You never rise to your highest level of training. Yeah. You <laughs> fall back on. You're, you never rise to the occasion. You fall back on your highest level of training. Right? Yeah, like no, it's not Hollywood, dude. You're not going to be a fucking hero out of yeah, nowhere. You're yeah. going to shit the bed like you fucking ate bad Mexican food. Well, and, that's and what's going to happen.
0: I, I've heard, especially when I shot traditional archery, I'm not very good at foam, but you know I'm I'm deadly on hair. Like I'm I'm great. I'm like <laughs> you're fucking the full the fuck of shit, up. brother. Yeah. Like I hear that a lot, but I know you're yeah. fucking lying. And I mean, maybe you're the point oh oh one percent. But when you talk when you talk about that. When you train something, when you do something so many times over and over and over, and I'll bring up, this is off the subject, but archery, um, that Canyon Pounder site. Yeah. For example. Which I'm sh- still trying to figure out. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. when I shot my mountain goat, um, you know, I've shot the bottom pin as my rover for many, many, many years. Sure. Right. And that, that site is an amazing site. Dan Evans is a genius. Great dude. So I set up my bow. We go on that goat hunt. I peek up over the hill for the goat. I, I I'm like I want a precision shot. I open you know the housing, which is what you should do. Right. So you I, have one pin to look at. Yep. I take the shot, and the first shot, I'm not sure if I hit it or not. It's a monsoon. I think I hit it. I don't know. I rearrange it. I go to draw back, um, but I'm using my bottom pin and my sight housing is open. Mm-hmm. I'm like oh fuck. So I close my sight housing. Then I go to re.
1: Most people would not do that.
0: Redial, and I'm like oh shit. I'm on the wrong side. I've got to use my extended pin, my 60. It's on the other side. I dial. I do end up hitting it a couple more times. Goat dies. I, when I got done with it, I'm like, this site is not for me. Like it is one of the best sites, if not the best site ever made, but it is not for me. Repetition would have fixed that. For sure. I did not have a lot of repetition with that site. A couple months is not a lot of repetition when you've done something for 25 years the same way. And so. It's about
1: as new as it gets.
0: No, yeah, and, and when I say that, the side is amazing. I mean, I'm not bitching about that. When you are under high stress, and I don't mean physical stress, mental stress.
1: Psychological
0: stress. You revert back, like you said, to your basic, you know, whatever basic level of training. When I say that, I've seen guys with bears coming at them literally drop three shells, like, like literally not hit the trigger one time and load one. Jack the bolt back, load another one, and literally never fire a shot. Mm-hmm. They forgot to hit the trigger. Well, when you get I done. I have a lot of stories of that. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, what happened? I'm like, you, you didn't shoot. Anything. Yeah. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, the, we, we, we shot it. Yeah. Like, no, no, I shot it three times. I'm like, well, you loaded three rounds in. Bart Lancaster has a, a video of a guy loading three rounds in, not pulling the trigger one time. Bad it was ass. a grizzly. Yeah, no, I that's mean, I was there. Ass. I was shitting my pants too. Yeah, um, that kind of stuff is what we want to work on. That's what we're talking about. Correct. To to make you better, and whether that's land nav, and again, I talk about the easy button all the time. You always have Spartan Forge, X, whatever else you have a GPS, but learning it from the basics on up, whether that's land navigation, whether that's shooting, whether that's judging yardage. That's what we'll be working on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I didn't really get to speak to this before, but like, so we're not not saying go out without your fucking phone, your fucking GPS, right? Have that, use that because it's a super, super helpful tool. The point of this is, is if something happens, if you lose it, drop it in the water, break it, a horse stomps on it. You your battery dies because you're a fucking idiot and you forgot your charger. Whatever. Looked at too much porn. Yeah, you fucking you were in your tent. You had <laughs> porn hunt, a porn hub ripping. You know, you're like fuck, and then you forgot.
0: On that note, when you set your tent up, another tech tip: set it away from the main camp because it does make noises. No See, I what disagree.
1: I like to get right up in the middle of that <laughs> stuff. Just let everybody make it awkward. Yeah, just like hey, this is my type of evening. I don't know what you thought you were going to do tonight, but now you're going to listen. <laughs> you're going to listen to this shit. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the point of this shit is, is, is if something happens, right, it's the what if, it's the worst case scenario, and you don't have that, you're not so fucking retarded, you can't get out of the mountains, right? How many people die on the Appala- Appalachian Trail, like 200 yards from the trail, yep. three miles from the trail, because they walked the wrong direction, because they literally didn't shoot a bearing correctly. They're like, yep. oh, here's my bearing, it's actually 180 degrees opposite, because they didn't use the mirror. Yep. And they fucking went from a safe place where they would have survived to their death, right, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. middle of the fucking woods. So with the land nav shit, we're not trying to replace the things we have now. I use Onyx every single day, right? But it's something that a lot of people use Onyx for. They don't know how to read topo lines. Well, they're on the Onyx, yeah. and it's super handy when you look at these things super close together and go, fuck that. Yeah. That looks <laughs> steep, right? But people don't know, and they walk to that anyway. Now you got to figure it out and walk around. The shooting stuff, like... I don't want to replace uh, dudes having uh, ballistic software in their phones, which I have. I've got it in my fucking watch, right? Like, I've got my dopes in my watch. Guys have it in their phones. They run Kestrels. Now they've got, uh, like, Sig is a big one that has this shit. They've got the binos that you lays it, and a dot shows up in your scope. I mean, it's, it's foolproof, right? Well, what if that shit breaks? Wouldn't it be cool to know how to build a dope card and yeah. tape it to your buttstock and go, okay things have gone south, right? (laughs) I'm not having my best day, but here's the animal that I've been at for nine days. And this is my one chance at it. Okay. My phone broke or my fucking whatever broke. I can still get this job done. You know what I mean? That's the goal. And the way that you get there to your point, the repetition, what that, what that actually is, is like you are building and then you're maintaining neural pathways. That's what, that's literally what that is. And you want a perfect example of that that most people can, can relate to. Watch a fucking basketball player on a free throw line, right? That one player, he will bounce that ball and flip it, like spin it in his hands the exact same way, the exact same number of times before every single free throw. People don't realize that that's what's going on, but it is a series of sequence of events that they go through and they do it every time. And what it does is it calms All of the stress, that pressure, all that psychological, you know, shit show that's going on in your head because it's a known thing, it's a repetitive thing. It's like the centering thing. Well, you you can do that in hunting. If you have a bow or a rifle, you know, you come up, you go, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna range it. I do this, I pull my arrow out the same way, I knock it like this, I fucking grab this, I do that. Like everything can be a process, and something that simple can be the difference between you just blowing the hair off its back, right, or stoning it dead. It's, yeah. it's very, very simple. It's not that you or I are some phenomenal, badass marksman experts, right? Like, I'm not a good archer, but, you know, pretty good with a rifle. That's not because we know this big fucking secret. It's because as someone who is smarter than us or better than us or has done it longer than us showed us that this level of repetition – is what it takes to get to that level of proficiency. Yeah. No, I you know explain
0: mean? it kind of the same way. It's not that I popped out of the womb knowing this. Yeah, I've just did. screwed up so much. Exactly, dude. I've I pre- pre- prepared for the worst and and in basically like worked on my deficiencies and,
1: and You made all the mistakes. Yeah, I how hate much to say shit many have you many many fucked times. up that that all your million everything. followers don't know everything right? everything, everything possible everything up. Yeah, people yeah. don't realize that fucking shit up is how you actually get better.
0: Yeah, and well, that, and with Amy, like she has gotten yeah. like super sensitive about. It. I'm sorry, whatever. I'm like, oh, I've done that a hundred yeah. times. I'm like, yeah. that's nothing new. And and people need to understand that that like that like what we're teaching you is. Is things that we both screwed up. We know our deficiencies or whatever Many else. And, yeah, and 100%. that, and, and
1: you know, and that. Getting back to the whole Kafaro collective thing, that is going to be a main point of focus in these camps. Is like, don't bring your fucking ego or your. I don't give a fuck. I don't yeah. care. I don't care how good you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't. I'm not going to tell you what I've done or how good I am or anything. It's irrelevant, right? We're going to train hard. And we're going to stay humble about it. And the reason why we're going to go over the things that we go over is because those are all mistakes that have been made by me, by you, everyone, by yeah. everyone, by anybody else. Because any any good hunter that's honest will tell you that they've made more mistakes than they have done things right. Yep. And that's how they got as good as they've got. By the I way, a, do I need to put a straw in this? I word? have an amazing
0: short-term memory. I do suggest yeah. working on that. It helps a lot. Yeah. I get a lot of people that message me like, hey... I missed three animals, I wounded one. I'm I'm wrecked and I'm like, yeah. You know, I'm not saying, you know, just wound animals and don't, you know, whatever, but I'm like, hey, you just focus on what you made the mistake of, right? Fix that and move on and don't stress over it cuz that you are only as good as your last shot and people freak out about that. And sure. and, and again, these courses will help with all of that.
1: I agree. Uh and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to call my dad out right now. Which I'm going to probably <laughs> get my ass beat for this, but <laughs> you know he he came out you know he came out this season it was a badass season we got to do all these hunts it was one of the highlights of my life to date um, and just they were all first for him cuz he you know from florida right yeah. so we had all these western hunts it was badass we were hunting uh his pronghorn buck it was a, his first hunt of the season and my dad's a fucking savage right i mean the dude is the hardest dude that i've ever met and and he's a badass but you know, there's a level of, like, arrogance and, and pride that inevitably comes along yeah. with that territory. When he's an older dude now. He's in his 70s, and, and he's never hunted out here. He's never done anything, like, this aggressive and, and this physical. You know, it's been mostly, like, eastern, you know, tree stand or, like, shooting out of a side-by-side stuff. So we went out and got on a really nice pronghorn buck, and we put a stalk on it. And it was fairly physical, high elevation Fucker's got a pacemaker. Like, he's 73. Is <laughs> he's out there getting the fuck after it. So, you know, I look at that like, dude, that's badass. And then he looks at it like, I, I'm i not what I used to be. It's like, fuck that. Like, I don't care, right? Yeah. You shouldn't care. I get it. I don't, but I'm sure I will if I even make it to that age. <laughs> but, you know, we got out, and, you know, he had a situation where he had to shoot off of this big rock, and he was super winded yeah. from what we had to do physically. And it was a longer shot than we would have wanted to take, ideally, but it was a makeable shot. Um, and, you know, he's got his vision's not as good as it used to be. He's not as fucking strong as he used to be. He's got all these things working against him. He's still a fucking stud. But he takes a shot, and he misses, and it runs off. The short version of the story is we ended up getting that antelope, but it was two days later, right? But yeah. the point that I want to make is, like, when he missed that shot, He was furious, right? Like (laughs) he was, he wouldn't fucking talk. Like he wouldn't speak to me. And I I remember looking at him and I was like, okay, so here's the deal. You can get over it yeah, and we can go kill this animal or we can just pack it the fuck up and go home. Right. Because you're so upset (laughs) that you miss that it's ruining the hunt, you know? Yeah. And the only reason I bring that up is because it does, people need to understand, like it doesn't matter. You know, it's not about your ego it's not about like being able to say like one shot i fucking dumped it you're gonna mess up yeah and and people don't realize like a guy like you as accomplished as you are how many times you have fucked up in your hunting career is probably astronomical i have fucked up plenty of times in R- my career is about this big
0: ryan rotier is amazing at letting people know when they come to his camp of that like, sounds like ryan oh yeah one hundred 100 people are like hey uh What's it like? Is he he's, he, he he like uh, invincible? Is he like, seven feet tall yeah, yeah. and shooting fireballs right. like, out of
1: his ass? Fuck no! Yeah.
0: He, I've seen him miss at least whatever, and he'll yeah. tell some story, which is true. He doesn't you sure. know fabricate, but his point is, and Scotty's the same way. Is like, look, he misses. He just doesn't stop. He doesn't let it bug him. Everyone you know, misses. Yeah. yeah, and that's the especially like- with a recurve. <laughs> okay, dude, we get it. You're cooler there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying you miss a lot with a recurve. Yeah, I fucking yeah. bet. I don't, yeah. I don't
1: think I'll ever pick one of those things up. Uh, no, and, the, and, and that's what we're going to focus on, right? We don't care if people make mistakes. We don't care if their proficiency level is low. Is low. We want them to come out. We want to, you know, assess where they are. And then that's another thing that's going to set us apart is we're going to tailor their experience to their proficiency level. Yeah. Or, or lack thereof right there mm-hmm. may be a couple dudes out on a shooting camp that are with you know me off to the side and we're taking eight nine hundred yard pokes because they showed up and they could fucking shoot yeah. Right. i'm not gonna run them through the same curriculum that i'm gonna run, run the guy through he's like this is my first time yeah. right like yeah. he's like oh, yeah. i just picked up a gun today yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. so it's not about ego we want dudes to show up be humble, have good attitudes. Be you know, empty your cup or whatever you want to call it. Be be ready to learn, because if that's the way that you show up to these camps, you will leave with so much more than you would have otherwise.
0: No, hundred percent. Well, we've probably been on this long enough, and it's about nine hundred degrees in here, and mm-hmm. the bottle is almost gone. So we should probably stop before you say something stupid. But so, so I, you know, I,
1: I, some cowboys taught me this: if you take this. Yeah, and you do that. You know that. You know. You know what that means, Aaron.
0: You gotta finish it up. Oh shit! I guess we got a couple more. All right, one
1: more. Mm. Mm.
0: I've got to piss, so we're gonna have to finish when we get off because I'm gonna go pee. Okay. But I appreciate everything, and uh, super excited about the future at Gafaro, and uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough for what you've done. So appreciate it.
1: Yeah, man. Definitely looking forward to it.